Eagles Entertainment. With the 15th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft Podcast. Welcome to the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and today we are talking defensive backs, and that means corners and safeties. We're going to do that here in Draft Buzz, where Dane Brugler is back, Ben Fennell returns, and the three of us, we're going to talk through all the defensive backs here in this 2022 NFL Draft. We'll start at the cornerback position. we got a bunch of superlatives to get through. Then we'll do the same at safety. It's going to be a loaded conversation. We're going to try and cover as many of these stars in the secondary as we can. So we're going to do all of that there in Draft Buzz. Then we'll wrap the show up with a couple of really good questions, some insightful questions in our draft mailbag. And again, the best way to reach us here on this show is to head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever you listen to the show, leave us that rating, leave us a comment. If you've got a question, a mock draft or big board rankings, anything that you want to know about this draft, which by the way, it's two weeks from Thursday. We are right on the doorstep here of the 2022 NFL draft. So if you've got anything that you need to know before we get to the draft here at the end of this month, now's the time. Jump on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a comment, and we We'll answer it here on an upcoming episode. That said, let's get going here. We've got a lot to cover with Dane and Ben in Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, like I said at the top of the show, a lot of players that we are going to hit on here in today's episode as I welcome in Dane Brugler and Ben Fennell. Uh, perhaps no bigger draft news over the last few days than uh, the release of the beast. Uh, Dane Brugler putting out his draft guide on The Athletic last week. Uh, was it Wednesday, Thursday last week, Dane? Uh, first of all, I want to say, number one, outstanding work as always. Number two, how does it feel just getting it out and that, that weight being lifted off your shoulders here this time of year? Oh, it's, it's an amazing feeling. I mean, it, it feels, I tell you, the best feeling is being able to go to sleep at like midnight. Like that feels so good to, to like get like an actual, you know, six, seven hours of sleep again. Um, but no, the feedback's been so awesome. I appreciate everyone that's checked out. And if you haven't yet, uh, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you like the NFL draft somewhat, and I yes. promise you, you will not be disappointed uh, with, with the draft guide. All you need your athletic subscription. And I'm pretty sure we're running a promo right now for a dollar a month. So, it, I mean, you can't, you can't beat that deal. So I don't, there's no other guide out there that has uh, all the NFL verified testing data for 1,700 players. I promise you that. So, uh, yeah, what are you waiting for? Go check it out. And, Dane, I love seeing the NFL draft guide has its own tab on the athletic. The NFL draft doesn't, but draft guide does right there on the athletic <laughs> home screen. One click away. All you got to do is get to that home screen, and it is right there in front of your face. Great job, Dane. Yeah. Oh, appreciate it. And when it's the the highest performing thing on the site, they oh maybe we should push us a little bit more. Yeah, okay, that sounds good. Can you time lapse your process for the next one? I'm assuming it's starting like about an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that, 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 that was that'd be interesting, and I'm sure it'd watch me age pretty pretty quickly. <laughs> do, you say, do you say do you work on it in one document, like on one computer, or is it like on one of the the cloud networks where like if I would just I would have so much anxiety, like if I had it on just one laptop, that that laptop would die, and I would lose however many months worth of work. Yeah, I, I, every about every other night or every other three nights, I save it um, on a on a, like an external hard drive, uh, basically. And yeah, I've got a. Yeah, it, it, it's. I trust me. I, I, I mean, from experience, you know, I was about to say, I've learned some yeah. lessons over the years. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I mean, we, we've all been there. So yeah, I try to learn these little tricks to hopefully not run into that again. Sure. Well, well, you cover a uh, ton of players uh, in that guide, and obviously we'll cover uh, a chunk here in the from the defensive back portion uh, of the guide. Make sure you go check out the beast over at the Athletic, guys. Let's get into our uh, DB preview. We're going to start with corners, and uh, today, Ben, you're going to take the day one options at corner and safety. Dane, you're going to work on day two. I'm going to work on day three. Uh, ben, I'm going to come to you first for man-to-man cover corner. Who holds up best? Uh, when you go to round one, you look at the, the that group of corners, we're talking like five, four, five, six guys potentially. Uh, who, who holds up best in pure man-to-man in your mind? Well, probably the easiest superlative for me to peg here, and it's going to be Derek Stingley Jr. at LSU, I think was built in a press man lab. Uh, to play man-to-man coverage in the NFL. The length, the footwork, the speed, the ability to stay high on vertical, still play the ball with timing and balance and can obviously jump through the building. Great explosiveness, whether it's plant and driving or turning and running. I love his interception against Georgia in 2019 against Pickens and Jake Fromm where he plant and drives on an out route. Great ball skills, burst to recover, close the windows. Everything he does on the tape as far as man-to-man skills and just saying cover this guy, 
he checks all the boxes. Now it's the effort and run support and the attitude stuff, positional versatility, scheme versatility. There's a lot of questions with his game, but man to man guard this guy. He's usually got that covered. Yeah, obviously extremely, extremely talented. Uh, just a guy I'm sure we're going to talk about a little bit more here as the podcast goes on. Uh, all right, so let's go from day one to day two. Dane, who's a guy that stands out most to you in man coverage? I'm going to go with Kyra Elam here. And, you know, that's a player that could sneak into the first round, yep. uh, but could just as well go in the second. So I'm going to claim him here. Uh, six, one and a half, 191 pounds, 31 inch arms. Ran a 4.39 in the 40-yard dash, and this is a player that loves to mix things up with receivers, uh, and he works hard to stay attached. Uh, and I think that physicality in man-to-man is why uh, ultimately I'm going to give him the nod here over uh, some of these other players. Um, you know, he can uh, he, he's much better in man than he is in zone, uh, but he can play both. Uh, but he's, he's a guy that uses his physicality to his advantage, but he also has that speed to fall back on when he needs it as well. So for me on day three, I'm going to stay in the SEC, three SEC corners here in this category. I'm going to go with Jalen Armour Davis from Alabama, uh, redshirt junior who declared for the draft, six over six foot, just under 200 pounds. So it absolutely looks the part. And to me, what stands out most about Armour Davis, number one, the traits are definitely there. I mean, he ran 4-4 flat uh, earlier in the pre-draft process, but that speed shows up on tape. He's got really light, quick feet. He's really fluid in the hips. What really stands out, especially when we start talking about man-to-man cover corners, is that ability to stay in a receiver's hip pocket, not just on like for, uh, on those vertical fade throws and those go routes, not just, you know, hey, can you engulf a slant in the quick game? But in those intermediate routes, especially on like the comebacks and the digs, do you have that ability to stay in a receiver's hip pocket, show that aware that route awareness to be able to anticipate the route break and break on the throw? And I thought we saw that numerous times from Armour Davis on tape uh, this year. This was his only year starting. He was banged up with injuries throughout the course of his career. It's rare that an Alabama corner goes through the, the pre-draft process a little bit underrated, but I kind of feel that uh, about Armour Davis. But uh, a guy I feel like, uh, Dane, correct me if I'm wrong, feels like early day three there for Armour Davis when it's all said and done. It would not shock me if he snuck into the back end of day two just because of how many corners get drafted. But uh, to me, he was a guy that really fit for this category. Uh, Now, we've talked about man-to-man corners. Let's talk about the guys that fit best in a zone scheme. Who shows the best zone awareness, the feel, whether it's cover two, cover three, cover four, you pick your poison. Uh, Ben, I'll come to you. Day one, best zone instincts at corner. Yeah, a lot of options here as, uh, you know, zone coverage is very prevalent through college football, a lot of side saddle bail stuff, keeping eyes in backfield, letting guys be athletes. This has to be Trent McDuffie. The University of Washington up there has played a ton of zone coverage. In fact, nearly 40% cover three this year, 20% cover four, next most cover two. A lot, a lot of zone coverage. They've been playing less and less man coverage over the last few years out there because of these big hulking corners that are ball hawks and very physical presence. So you want to be able to let them come up and protect the flat and contribute and run support. And you want them to have their eyes in the backfield and use their athleticism and ball skills. And that's Trent McDuffie to a T. I know he has some length concerns, but when you put him in those zone coverages where he can kind of just bait passes and really use his explosiveness, change of direction and intensity once he gets to the ball carrier or the receiver or the target, that's kind of the, the name of the game out there with those Washington corners out there. So Trent McDuffie, really good zone corner. He can survive in man-to-man too. He's athletic enough. Obviously, some length, length concerns are out there with him, but zone coverage, Trent McDuffie, Washington. I was glad you said that at the end there, because to me, like, I think a lot of people look at, oh, he's a zone corner as like a disparaging term. And, that, and that's not what we mean by this discussion at all. Uh, and so I think when you look at McDuffie, his ability to hold up in zone coverage, that was a strength uh, of his game for sure. Dane, who fits the bill here for you on day two? I'm going to go with Damari Mathis uh, from Pitt. And you know, that Pat Narduzzi uh, defense, you know, they'll run plenty of cover four. And with Mathis, I thought... Uh, he did a really nice job maintaining that spatial relationship between different combinations and zone. I thought he had outstanding awareness. Uh, you know, he's able to walk that fine line, uh, you know, balancing multiple things with his eyes. And that's because he, I think he trusts what he sees, but he's also aggressive. And then that aggressiveness can be a double-edged sword at times. But, um, I, you know, and I don't know if Mathis ends up on day two. I think he should. Uh, I mean, he's just under 32-inch arms, ran a 4-3. Uh, I think there's so much to like about what Mathis offers. But I, I really liked what he did in zone. 
I love that. It was a, a really good selection there. And for me, a guy that you know, I, he was a guy I thought of because I feel like he could slide to early day three as well. But I, th- I think you're right in that same ballpark, you know, round two, round three, round four. Uh, for me, I ended up going with Martin Emerson from Mississippi State. This is a true junior who declared for the draft. One of the bigger corners in this draft. I mean, a shade under six foot two, over 200 pounds, 33 and a half inch arms, huge hands. So I mean, this is a guy that uh, absolutely looks the part on the perimeter. They played a, a ton of cover two, a ton of cover three. And while he there were some questions about him in man, I do think that he's got really good zone eyes, uh, really good feel for route concepts. And the, the big thing when you're talking about zone corners that are really good is an understanding of, hey, we're in cover two. The, the offense probably knows we're in cover two. Here are the routes they're going to try and use to attack cover two. I have to make sure either I'm going to try and bait this throw or try and take this throw away. So uh, to me, like I feel like he showed a really good understanding of way that the ways that offenses were trying to attack them. The only knock you would say from Emerson from a zone coverage standpoint, if you've got eyes on the quarterback the whole way, you would think that he'd have more than one pick uh, over the course of his career, only one interception. And, that, and that's going to be the big knock on him for sure. Um, but I think when you look at his overall feel in coverage, that really stood out to me uh, watching his tape. Let's get to the next one. And speaking of uh, ball skills, let's talk about the guys mm-hmm. that uh, take the ball away at the highest rate. Ben, we'll come to you here for day one. Well, another option that I just felt was a perfect pick here. And in the same sentiment of a guy that plays a lot of zone coverage, side saddle bail, eyes in the backfield, and really let him use just his natural athleticism to kind of uh, bait the quarterback and go get the ball. That's Andrew Booth out of Clemson. Who we, we've seen in that cover three scheme, maybe make a pick over number two down the seam, like we saw him against Kenny Pickett, I believe, last year. Some very impressive one-handed catches along the sideline in the red zone. Very impressive high pointing. His ball skills, his highlights on the ball, as impressive as anybody in this class. Now, he does have some speed concerns. He has some man-to-man technique concerns, but he is a very gifted athlete. So any defensive back coach would be super excited to work with his athleticism, his length, his ball skills. And now let's just figure out what type of scheme can really get the most out of him. Brent Venables, don't forget out there, a lot of zone coverage. They don't play a lot of man-to-man at Clemson. So what he can do in a man-to-man scheme is a little bit unknown right now. So I'm really excited for how Andrew Booth projects to the next level. Yeah, you've had a couple guys that hit the nail on the head in terms of their ball skills. Stingley, another guy you could have used in this category, obviously, if you didn't use him for man-to-man. The ball skills outstanding for both of those players. Dane, how about you for day two? Yeah, I think this one was easy for me. First name that came to mind, Marcus Jones, uh, Houston corner. Uh, He's been a little bit of the forgotten guy uh, in the through the process because he had surgery on both shoulders, which sidelined him through the entire process. And it's it's obviously a concern with him, Uh, you know, as well as his size, but no concerns about his ball skills, his ability to get his hands on the football. 42 career passes defended, uh, 18 as a senior, including five interceptions. So he's got those ball skills, shows that the ball skills on, on special teams as well as a re- return man. He had nine uh, return touchdowns over his career. And, and I did want to give a shout out to uh, Kobe Bryant out of Cincinnati as well. 45 passes defended, 10 interceptions in his career. So uh, not too shabby, just behind Jones, uh, but still wanted to mention him as well. For sure, uh, two of the more talented seniors uh, in this class. For me, I'm going to go Jack Jones uh, from Arizona State, uh, a player that has – look, he's played six years in college, uh, including junior college. He started his career at USC, but he had four picks, led, led the Trojans in interceptions back in 2017, his first year on campus at Arizona State three picks last year with Arizona state, three picks just constantly around the football. Like Marcus Jones, he offers a little bit of return juice as well. So uh, you get a little bit of that, that, that dual threat capability there with Jack Jones, both guys. uh, When you talk about Marcus and Jack, a little bit on the undersized side of things, Jack Jones, just over 170 pounds. And that'll be a little bit of a knock for him. But I think when you look at his ability to play the ball, especially from depth, his ability to read routes and jump throws and uh, finish at the catch point really, really have stood out to me. And again, uh, with the ball in his hands, which again, Dane, you mentioned it. A lot of scouts will you include what they do with the ball after they catch it in the ball skills category. It's not just finishing, but then what can you do with the ball in your hands? Uh, Jack Jones has some of that playmaker mentality to him. Uh, From the the playmakers to the guys that are just really good downhill, who shows the best ability to defend the run, be a reliable tackler uh, in the flat, which is so, so important in today's NFL with all the jet sweeps and gadgets and screen game and RPOs. You have to be able to tackle at corner. Ben, who stands out to you there? Well, I'm going to go with Trent McDuffie's teammate on the other side, and that's Kyler Gordon, a guy that's played a little nickel, strong safety kind of role early on, really good size. Watch any of his special teams. He'll go down and absolutely thump some returners out there using that great kind of mix of speed and temperament. He has a lot of Marshawn Lattimore to his game, in my opinion, just in a test like him. But um, also want to mention Trent McDuffie. This guy does not miss. 
PFF's missed tackle rate. He's of a just under 7% and Andrew Boots at 22%. He's got some huge hits in the flat. Yeah. Stingley's at 18%. So Trent McDuffie on the other side of Kyler Gordon, there's a reason they play a lot of zone out there. These corners come up and tackle. They protect the flat. They attack the perimeter. Trent McDuffie, Kyler Gordon, pick your pair out of those two really good tackling corners. I'm just looking at the list of like the top 30 corners, 30-ish corners in, in this draft. Uh, the only corner that I see that has a better missed tackle rate than McDuffie, uh, who, like you said, McDuffie's was 5'9". Uh, Jalen Armour Davis had 5'4". That was the only one mm-hmm. that was better. And so when you talk about McDuffie, uh, his ability to come downhill and finish, really, really impressive. Dane, how about day two? Who stands out to you there? I'm going to go with a player who ended up as a top 60 uh, prospect on my board, and that's Cam Taylor Britt from Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Big athlete, uh, springy lower body, outstanding toughness. Uh, I mean, he's one of the few corners in this draft that you could realistically see moving to safety. Uh, he's played the position before. So, uh, you know, and I think if you're going to talk about moving to safety, you need traits both in coverage and versus the run. He has that. Could he clean up his technique a little bit? Yeah, I think he could uh, just to be more consistent. But body control, length, the want to, I, I think are all there for him as the tackler. Yeah, he's he's built like Debo Samuel. Uh, the, the Debo Samuel gets thrown around our, with all the wide receivers. But uh, when, you're, when you're up on him, he, he's a big, physically imposing kid. Um, the, the really, really impressive lower half. For me, I'm going to go uh, to the ACC. I'm going to talk with Mario Goodrich uh, here from Clemson. And I, I think when you look at Goodrich, that might be the best part of his game is his coming downhill uh, and finishing. I, I think when you look at his his athleticism and speed, that's going to be part in, part in the question. Uh, he gets a little too handsy in coverage, drew a, a decent amount of penalties this year. Uh, I think when you look overall um, at his ability to come downhill as a tackler, that might be one of my favorite parts uh, of his game, just really, really consistent. I think his, he's got a skill set that projects well for special teams because of his tackle. Uh, so for me, Mario Goodrich from Clemson, uh, who was down at the Senior Bowl, he would be a guy I would bring up here. Let's get into some uh, some comparisons here, uh, guys. And uh, I'll actually start because mine is a guy that is going to he's going to be a first round pick, a likely top ten pick, and that's Ahmad Gardner from Cincinnati. Uh, big, long, physical, instinctive. The the ball skills are there. Everything you really like. And to me, like. Watching him, and it was very early on, he really reminded me of Xavier Rhodes coming out of Florida State. And Xavier Rhodes ended up going in like the 20s as opposed to where we think uh, Gardner's going to go in this draft. But I think when you look at Xavier Rhodes and and his pluses and minuses coming out of FSU compared to Gardner, I think they compare pretty well. And so uh, I don't know if you guys kind of see the same thing there. We can talk a little bit about Gardner here. Uh, Ben, I'll come to you next just because you've talked about a lot of these round one corners. Uh, What are your thoughts on Gardner? Do Do you feel like my Xavier Rhodes comp works? Yeah, I like that a lot. I think another guy with the obviously see the length, you see the kind of temperament. Um, I think they're spinning clones of each other as far as height, weight, speed. So I think it's really easy to kind of make the the connection there as far as skill set, height, weight, speed. Ben, who do you like here? Who's your favorite player comp? Well, you know, I've been talking Trent McDuffie here, and he's a unique corner with the zone kind of uh, you know, leaning and very physical, but he has some length concerns with uh, you know, the arm. So I just want to come up with a comp for for fans out there. And I think he reminds me a lot of a Casey Hayward coming out of Vanderbilt. Another guy that was a really strong pound for pound kid who's about 5'11, 192, put up nearly 20 reps at 225. Trent McDuffie at his pro day, I think, put up 15, which is a pretty good uh, number for 190 pounds that he is as well. And uh, Casey Hayward, a guy that gets a lot of jobs in zone schemes around the NFL, whether it's with the Chargers, a little bit of Gus Bradley with the Raiders last year. I think he's out with the Falcons right now. So he's a guy also, I think, 30 and a quarter inch arms. But you put him in a zone scheme and you let him protect balls vertically, use his ball skills, use that pound for pound toughness. Uh, in the flat, whether it's in the nickel or maybe at a wide corner. Um, so I think Trent McDuffie, Casey Hayward is a, is a pretty good comp. I like it. Uh, Dane, who do you got for us? Give us a, a comp you like. Uh, I'm going with a guy I mentioned earlier, Kyra Elam. Uh, and I'm comparing him to Carlton Davis, uh, former Auburn corner. Yeah. Uh, both good-sized athletes. They like to play physical uh, Elam tested maybe a little bit better uh, than Davis did, but um, you know, guys that for one reason or another, you know, might not go, not might not be first round picks, but would not be surprised at all if Elam, you know, turns out to have the type of career in the NFL that Carlton Davis has, which is you know uh, uh, a, a you know a, a top corner for uh, for a defense. So it's uh, it, the ability to be physical early in the route is something that you know NFL teams want, and I think both these guys offer that. I like it. All right, well, let's get to uh, our last category here for corners. And that's someone we're just surprised isn't getting a little bit more love. Ben, I'm going to come to you first. Who who do you think uh, is a guy that you're just surprised isn't getting a little bit more love at this point in the process? 
Well, Dean set it up a few superlatives ago, so I'll just hammer it home here. Damari Mathis had a pit, 5'11", 196, 439, about 43 and a half inch vertical, over 11 foot broad. That Narduzzi cover four scheme, you got to tackle, you got to play press man, you don't get a lot of safety help. These guys are typically NFL ready. Just look back to like Jason Pinnock that came out last year. He got torched that pit, gave up nearly 20 touchdowns. Played tons of snaps for the Jets last year. These guys are NFL ready. They're tackling. They can play the ball down the field. Damari Mathis, Pitt, I think he'd be a really good late round two, maybe even an early round three type of corner. I like that. Dane, how about you? I'm going to go Joshua Williams here from Fayetteville State. Um, 6'3", 193. Uh, ran a sub seven second three cone, low four fives in the 40, 33 inch arms. Uh, I thought he did had a nice week at the Senior Bowl. Uh, and I mean, I, I guess I do understand it from a certain degree because there's there's rawness to his game. He comes from a lower level. Uh, but when you're talking about that size and that suddenness that he offers, I think the ceiling is there for him to be an NFL starter, no doubt. So I think Joshua Williams does not get it mentioned as much as maybe uh, you know, I, I thought he would with some of these some of these numbers that he has. Yeah, he's a guy that is definitely falling through the cracks a little bit there. Um, for me, I'm going to go with a guy that I would put in that same bucket uh, as Damari Mathis for me, and, that, and that's Tariq Castro-Fields from Penn State, a uh, similar part of the country, just as, just over six foot and a half, 197 pounds. He's got decent size. The production has been there pretty consistently over the course of his career. He tested pretty well. Uh, a battle-tested corner that, uh, look, the some people question uh, he hadn't had uh, too much production over the last couple of years. He goes down to the senior bowl, and I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was day one, had maybe the best play of any player uh, the entire week of practice with a one-handed interception uh, going up in, in one-on-ones down in the far red zone. So I, I think when you look at Castro Fields, he's really instinctive. He's really tough. He's smooth in and out of breaks. He's sticky in man. He shows zone awareness. He can come down and finish as a tackler. He's got some position versatility inside, outside. Um, yeah, Castro Fields from Penn State, uh, a guy I think is getting a little bit undersold uh, at this point in the process. Three guys that I wanted to make sure we hit on because we didn't touch on them yet. So, Ben, I'm going to come to you for Roger McCreary. Dane, I'm going to come to you for Tariq Woolen from UTSA. And I'm going to round it out with Zion McCollum. So, three guys that we haven't hit on that I know were big names. Uh, ben, let's come to you first uh, for Roger McCreary from Auburn, uh, a guy that's right on the border, it seems, between first round, second round, potentially uh, even a little a touch later. But uh, give us your thoughts on McCreary. Yeah, over a three-year start, a really good tackler, great ball skills, tons of press coverage out there in the SEC, really good burst to close the catch window or to recover. Uh, He's competitive despite that smaller frame, despite that lack of length. Bit of a trial by fire through his career. He's gotten absolutely torched in some games, but he's made some really big plays against current NFL receivers. I think it's really easy to see how his skill set would translate. Reminds me a little bit of the former Asante Samuel Sr., who also had some length concerns, but was an experienced player and was able to be used in a variety of schemes, good ball skills, um, and a guy that I think really fits the part in the NFL. Some people may think to slide him into nickel uh, to prevent you know, the lack of length concerns or maybe the turning running concerns, but Roger McCreary is a really good player. I have no idea where he goes in the yeah. draft yeah. Uh, or how the NFL really feels about him, but uh, he's definitely a guy that's going to be on a field on Sundays shortly. When you talk about the lack of length and why that's a concern, uh, I mean, he would ha- he'll have to be a true outlier because just going through my numbers, at least, the only corner that has been drafted in the last decade with shorter arms was Avery Williams last year with Boise State. He was a, a late day three pick. So uh, I think when you look at that lack of length, and a lot of people place a lot of importance on arm length for corners, he may not reach a lot of those thres- thresholds. So, uh, Ben, I agree. It's going to be tough to pinpoint exactly where McCreary gets off the- goes off the board. Uh, Dane, the body type, not a question for Tariq Woolen from UTSA. Yeah, no doubt. 6'4, 205 pounds, uh, ran a 4'26 uh, in the 40 at the combine. There's a reason his nickname is Reek the Freak. Uh, just a different type of dude. Uh, now, obviously, there's projection here because he was the wide receiver uh, most of his life. Uh, even in his first three years at UTSA, he made the move to corner that final month of the 2019 season. So, another guy making a position change really throughout the pandemic um, and, you know, and everything that that entails. Uh, but when you have a guy that has just this, you know, the rare uh, elite combination of height, length, almost 34 inch arms, speed. He also had a 42 inch vert, uh, a 14710, which is uh, unbelievably. So it wows physically, athletically. It's just, okay, what's his trajectory to becoming a starter? You know, what, how long before we feel comfortable 
throwing them out there. And, you know, it's, it's a really interesting draft and develop type of prospect. And each team's maybe going to feel a little differently about just where that grade is, where they feel comfortable drafting him, but he's going to come off the board somewhere on day two. And it's, it's so funny because looking at the player I'm going to talk about here in Zion McCollum, if Tariq Woolen was not in this draft, if he was last year, if he was next year, I feel like a lot of people would be applying this freak label to Zion McCollum because of what he's been able to put together. Coming out of Sam Houston State, uh, number one, he is, his, it's the opposite of Woolen in that he has started 52 games over his career. This is a battle-tested corner who is 6'2", 199 pounds, and ran 4-3-4 in Indianapolis. And also, by the way, the shuttle times from the pro day – ridiculously stupid. The jumps, he jumped out of the gym. So he put together an all-time athletic workout at 6'2", 200 pounds. So this is a guy that absolutely looks the part on the outside. He's been consistently productive, huge corner, like I said. I think the big thing when you're looking at McCollum is that while the production has been always been there, it doesn't always look natural at the catch point, and he's got a little bit too many missed tackles. So I think when you look at trying to erase some of those things, uh, and that could be a little bit of a deal breaker for some people is the, the tackling and the ball skills combined. Um, but this is a battle-tested corner who absolutely looks the part. He's a great kid from everything you hear. So I think when you look at Zion McCollum, uh, likely day three pick, you know, when you get to the early stages, but it wouldn't shock me if he did make his way up into the latter stages of day two. But uh, Zion McCollum from Sam Houston State, I want to make sure we, we uh, hit on him as our last corner here uh, in this group. And one thing on him, too, he has an identical twin yes. who's also in this draft to 6'1", 198. Uh, his shuttles were unbelievable, too. Wasn't a combine guy. Pro day, he had a 6'7", three cone, a 4'03", short shuttle, 37.5-inch vert, 4'4", uh, 5, and the 40. Uh, he's a safety uh, but you know, also it's just kind of funny how, you know, they're identical twins and there's not too much difference when you talk about those guys <laughs> athletically. No, uh, just a couple of freaks there, uh, down there with the, uh, remember Sam Houston state won the national championship, uh, at the FCS level this spring. So those guys, uh, a big part of that. Let's go now to the safety position and we'll start with the best pure post safety. Uh, who's the best pure center fielder. And that can mean a couple different things, Ben, uh, I'm going to come to you day one, uh, best pure center fielder from the first day of the draft. There's a handful of ways you can go here. And this is how I like him used in a single high scheme, being that single high center fielder protecting the post. And that's Kyle Hamilton, his ability to read, react quarterbacks, and then using his angles, the hips, the stride length, the burst, the run, and the long speed to get off the middle of the field logos and make plays out to the numbers and the sideline. He has really good angles and temperament coming down into the alley in a flash, can roll down on some tight ends. Don't love him in some man-to-man coverage. This guy flows through traffic exceptionally well, whether it's a back-end player or rolling down and kind of running horizontally uh, with some slots or tight ends. So Kyle Hamilton, center fielder, protecting the post. There's really not much better in this class. I just went back and watched the the interception he had against Florida State. That was the second interception he had against Florida State this year and just laughing myself, like thinking of the, the questioning of the 40 time uh, with Kyle Hamilton. But uh, Dane, let's come to you. Day two, post-safety. Who do you like here? Uh, I'll go with Kirby Joseph from Illinois, uh, who I think is right on that border. Might go third round, might go fourth round, uh, but 6'1", 203, 33-inch arms. Uh, so, I mean, he he looks the way you want maybe a post-safety to look, but his range is outstanding. Uh, he had five interceptions this year, kind of a one-year wonder. Uh, kind of finally got on the field, and he did not disappoint uh, with the way he played. His ball skills, his ability to go find the football uh, they played him so deep in that scheme, uh, but, you know, he took advantage of it with his ability to, to run the alley or to go find the football on different routes. So the, the ball skills, uh, it really stood out with him. And I think that that's what might get him drafted in the top 100 picks. For me, I'm going to go to day three. I'm going to pull a Ben here. I'm going to say two names because these two guys are, are very close for me. Uh, and I think when you look at uh, Percy Butler from Louisiana – and JT Woods from Baylor. I think you could make an argument for either one here. I think that Woods is probably just a little bit better put together and just tested overall a little bit better. So I'm going to give him the nod, uh, but I did want to give some love to Percy Butler, one of the better special teams players uh, in this class as well. But when you look at JT Woods, 6'2", under 200 pounds, so a little bit of a lean angular frame. He's built like a corner, uh, but he runs like a corner. 4'3 speed, jumps out of the gym. He tested well across the board. I think when you look at Woods, his range, I mean, he's an outstanding track 
athlete, so there shouldn't be, uh, you know, there shouldn't be too much of a surprise. He's got the ability to uh, to be a ball hawk on the back end. He's got eight interceptions his last two seasons. Uh, opportunistic player can take the ball away. Uh, you're betting on upside with him. He hasn't been super productive over the course of his career, but as playing time has increased, his production has increased. So uh, JT Woods from Baylor, kind of a, one of those sleeper post safety types uh, that could be a ball hawk on the back end. Let's get now to uh, the second level of the defense, the best nickel or slot player uh, as these safeties get used in so many different ways. Who's the most experienced? Who's the most effective playing out in the slot over receivers and tight ends? Ben, I'll come to you. Yeah, I love that JT Woods pick there. Dave Aranda, get a defender out of his defensive scheme. I see Woods as a Justin Reed, Jesse Bates type all day long on the back end for somebody. So moving over to a nickel slot player, let's talk about Dax Hill out of Michigan. Yep. who was kind of a sub back end, or excuse me, a base back end safety. And then he rolled down and kind of protect that nickel uh, in the scheme and sub packages. But he's a guy that could probably kick out the corner if you really wanted him to. I think he's doing all the things Legarius Sneed did at La Tech and that projection forward to the NFL where Sneed plays a variety of roles for Steve Spagnuolo in that Chiefs defense. So Dax Hill, extremely fluid, athletic, explosive. He's almost like a offensive player playing that defensive back role. Everything is just so smooth, so fluid, so quick twitch, great change of direction. I'm not sure if he was playing nickel out of need or that's his best spot, but he covered some really good slot defenders. Also struggled with some guys too. I mean, it's it's a tough business in there against some of these slot receivers in the Big Ten. Those Ohio State kids, Jahan Dotson, guys like that, all different sorts of explosive athletes on a week-to-week basis. But Dax Hill, really high-level athlete, and I think his best football is going to be ahead of him. As I'm putting the rundowns together for these discussions, I'll like leave it, leave like, okay, I'm going to bend. Here's who he's going to talk about. I'll leave it blank and I'll fill it in as you, as you go to talk about him. I already wrote in Dax's Hill because I was like, there's the, this you a, knew a, where I was going. Track. I knew exactly where you're going with that one. <laughs> uh, Dane, how about you, day two? So I, I think the answer here is Jalen Petrie, but yeah. I'm going to save him for the next um, category yeah. we're doing. So for this one, I'm going to, I'm going to mention uh, ja- Jaquan Brisker uh, from Penn state. Cause they asked him to do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was, he had over a hundred snaps in the slot. They play him in the box. They play him uh, in the post. Uh, he, he would line up everywhere in that, uh, in that scheme that they had. And I, I think that shows his versatility, uh, his ability to hold up versus a run, his ability to digest routes and uh, make plays and coverage. Uh, he, this is a guy that doesn't make a lot of mistakes. I mean, zero penalties the last two years, which I, I mean, try finding many players in this class. You could say that about uh, he has the range. He has the ability to, uh, you know, really process things quickly. Tested really well in the four fours. Uh, you know, six nine one three cone. So I think there's a lot of things that say, yeah, he can hold up in a lot of different spots, including the nickel, if that's where you want to play him. And that's what's fun about Brisker is that he's got that corner background. He was a corner up through junior college and high school, um, but also he's a great tackler. Like he's a, he's a, a really well-rounded player. Um, and I thought he was a lot, he looked a lot more natural and a, a more decisive uh, this past year. So I'm glad he went back for that extra year. He was going to the senior ball last year, uh, ultimately went back to school. And I think that that really benefited him uh, overall in the long run. Uh, for me here on day three, I'm going to go Verone McKinley, the third from Oregon, uh, undersized safety, five ten flat under 200 pounds short arms. Uh, so he's built like a slot corner. I mean, he ran, he ran four, six, five, which is a, a slow number uh, for safety, but his shuttles weren't bad. He's definitely in the, the quicker than fast category. Uh, but this is a guy that turned up six picks here this past year. Uh, he had four picks as a freshman back in 2019. So he knows how to take the ball away and he's got some coverage chops. He played high school corner. He'll be used in the slot at times. He played to the field. So to the wide side of the field. And when you're a field safety in college football, you're going to see a lot of matchups against number three receivers. And so he was put in some of those some of those spots and I thought he held up pretty well uh, out west in the Pac-12 I thought he showed up in the Ohio State game as well with his ability uh, to play down in coverage and in, in the slot underneath so uh, probably more of a, a natural slot corner than like a big nickel type because I don't know that he's got like that size to be able to match up with tight ends but I, I think he's got some of that position flex that'll really help him moving over to the next level uh, let's now get to uh, playmakers and we talked about the the interceptions that Verone McKinley uh, was able to accumulate over his career who creates the most big plays for the the defense. So we're talking interceptions, sacks, TFLs, just guys that stuff the stat sheet. Ben, who do you like here? Well, I'm running out of day one options here as a lot of these safeties are going to slide to day two. And Dane tipped his hand a little bit here. So I'm going to open the floor to him and let him talk about Jalen Petrie. Unless you want to do this as a duet. Picking Diana Ross and Lionel Richie this thing. Every all, other sentence. Only if you guys agree to do it every other sentence. Like you, if you, Dane <laughs> takes one, then Ben, you pick it up and just go from there. 
Uh, Dane knows what he's talking about. Take it away, Dane. <laughs> yeah. No, well, hey, look, Jalen Petrie, uh, I mean, led the Big 12 in tackles for loss and forced fumbles. I mean, so, uh, I mean, that's – for this is a safety. This is a nickel. So, uh, no, I mean, it, it's, it's easy to profess your love for Jalen Petrie with everything that he did. Uh, filled up the stat sheet, played that star position in David Randa's uh, defense. But, I mean, hey, Ben, I, w- I want you to talk about him too. I, w- I want to hear what you have to say about him. Well, obviously, I think he just plays so much bigger than his frame and size and length would suggest. I mean, under 30-inch arms, under 200 pounds. This is really like a Tyran Matthew, Honey Badger style of player with his playmaking ability and his instincts uh, and just seems like that ball magnet type of safety uh, that the plays find him. And obviously, it's a lot of attribute to him and Dave Aranda and our film study and putting him in positions to be successful. But very smart, technically sound player, very scrappy, tough. Call him, you know, uh, Buda Baker, Jimmy Ward. He could be a Teron Johnson for someone who's a thick, kind of tough guy, nickel for the Buffalo Bills out there. I think he's a perfect type of sub-package player for today's NFL. He looks like the old-school nickel, but he really plays like the big nickel and that third safety of the group. So, Jalen Petrie, don't scout his size. He's a guy that put on the film, and he just makes plays. All right, I think and, I got, a, uh, I got a number for you guys that'll knock your socks off. Okay, ready for this? Last decade, all right, if you were to take all the safeties drafted and you said, okay, over, if we were to define impact plays as TFLs, sacks, and forced fumbles, right? So just tackles – or TFLs, sacks, forced fumbles. The highest amount of, of those impact plays by any safety drafted, 32 and a half, all right? So 109 safeties, 32 and a half is the highest number. Jalen Petrie had 48 over the course of his career. Like when you talk about it, it's just always around the football, just shatters that number of any safety drafted in the last decade. Uh, and I do think, ben, to your point, that's part of that is the usage, right? Because he was played up close to the line of scrimmage. He's always around the football, but you got to give him a ton of credit. He plays through contact so well. He is a ball magnet. He is just, he's so much fun to be able to watch. Fran, I think it's hilarious that like that kind of nickel halfway strong safety player I mean, the year before, the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year was Mike Rose. It's essentially the same spot. JoJo DeMond at Nebraska is playing the same spot. Those guys were 230, 235, and essentially playing the same kind of role, obviously a little different schematically, as Jalen Petrie at 195 pounds. So I think just his pound-for-pound ability at that spot is so impressive. Yeah, He he had 31 tackles for a loss at over 23 games the last two years. And this uh, this past season, he was the only player in college football uh, with at least three fumble recoveries, three forced fumbles and two interceptions. So, uh, I mean, it, he's always around the football. And, you know, when you have a high percentage like that, usually good things happen. And that's Casey Point's feature. Uh, so I'm going to dig a little bit deeper into the bag here with this one. I'm going to stay in the Big 12. Trey Sterling, Oklahoma State, 5'11", 194, uh, didn't get invited to the combine, so you're talking a little bit of a, a deeper sleeper here, but uh, I talk about those numbers, those impact plays. 32.5 was the, the record set in the last decade. He had 24.5, which is a good number, right? So this is a guy that's always around the football, uh, whether it's picks, whether it's sacks, interceptions, PBUs. He showed consistent production uh, over the course of, of his career. Uh, 22 starts, so not, not a ton of playing time, but enough. This is a guy that I think has that ability. Again, in this safety class, uh, I think it kind of dries up when you get to like the, the middle late rounds, like, you know, you get to round five, round six. I think that Sterling uh, is definitely in the mix once you get to that point in the draft. Uh, let's talk about some downhill players, guys. Best pure run defender. And uh, we were talking about with Greg last week here on the show when he was comparing some of these top safeties. So there's a lot of different ways to be able to defend the run. It could be, you know, playing top down, playing as a center fielder and running the alley. Uh, it could be lining up in the box, could be playing from the slot. So uh, I'll let you guys choose whatever you feel is best uh, appropriate for your player. But best pure run defender, Ben, Dave. One, who do you like? This has to be Lewis Sign out of Georgia. I think the best top-down safety in this class, whether it's coming down straight into the box or running the alley, taking on blocks, using his incredible explosive speed and strides and length and play temperament and discipline in that freaky Georgia defense, which is extremely well coached and with freak show athletes. I think Lewis Sign is the cream of the crop here. And I expect him to go in round one all day long. I think Petrie and Dax Hill may slide to round two. I think Lewis Sign is actually going to go in that kind of run of receivers in the 20s. Mm. All right, Dane, uh, who do you like here uh, for day two? Uh, Got to go Brian Cook from Cincinnati. Uh, just one of the best run defenders in the, in the country. Uh, really like his ability to read from depth. Uh, he can mirror. He can out leverage blocking schemes. And then at the contact point, he's just so reliable. Uh, he widens his, his base. 
comes to balance, strikes low, strikes uh, physical. Uh, just a guy, he had 96 tackles this year. Uh, he was an enforcer uh, playing from the from safety position for the Cincinnati defense. A really good player. And Fran and Dan, I just think it's really important to note that Brian Cook is a great come-to-balance tackler. You see him always playing under control and kind of throttling down his speed before really pouncing and bringing down the ball carrier. Lewis Sign in Georgia, they're taught to fly through at the tackle point. So while, you know, coming to balance may be a trait and a quality, it's not always how they're coaching the technique. And that was something Sheldon Brown talked about. He played for Lou Holtz at South Carolina, come-to-balance guy. And then he goes to Jim Johnson, the Eagles, and he wants you flying through and not stopping. And when you don't stop, you have to take the proper angle, make sure your hat's on the right side of the ball carrier, force them to your help. So I think how they're used is really interesting as well. That's a good point. That's a really good point. That's something to note, obviously, across all positions, just having an understanding. Whenever you're talking about uh, specific techniques, uh, that's something that it's very much in terms of what they were asked to do at the college level. Uh, for me on day three, I'm going to go to the small school ranks. I'm going to go Florida A&M safety, Marquise Bell, uh, 6'2", 212, 32 and a half inch arms. He runs sub 4'4", the combine. He tests pretty well uh, across the board, really. And I think when you look at Bell, uh, yeah, Florida A&M, but remember, he was a big-time recruit. He was a four-star athlete recruit here out of South Jersey, ends up at Maryland, uh, never plays a game down there for the Terps, but uh, then goes to junior college, ends it up uh, down there with Florida A&M. And he's a really physically imposing safety who is just uh, – uh, can be really dynamic downhill. And when you watch his ability uh, to finish uh, in the hole, just a very disciplined sound tackler. He brings his feet when he wraps up. ton of one-on-one -on -one tackles in the alley. So uh, when you're looking at guys, just be reliable playing downhill. Uh, Marquise Bell uh, really stood out to me from that standpoint. Point. Now, uh, two more categories here, guys. Our player comps and the guys we're surprised isn't getting enough love. We'll start with the player comps. Uh, ben, I'll come to you first. Who do you like here as a player comp uh, for the safety spot? Oh, man. Well, this kind of fits both those bills, so let's kind of knock it out in one here. Huh. I don't think Nick Cross at Maryland is talked about nearly enough. And I know his tape's a little bit average, but this guy has some serious size and length. He's a really good athlete. was on Maryland's track team. Incredible length, good ball skills can play down in the box, good blitzer, special teams. I mean, his arms hang almost to his knees. Very, very long player. Reminds me a ton of Bernard Pollard, who played a lot of football in this league for a variety of teams out there. I think this guy's just going to be a really, really productive, strong safety. I have no idea where he's going in the draft. If he goes round two, I'll probably have the same reaction if he goes round six. I, that's just kind of where I view him. I don't know where the NFL thinks of him, but I think he's a really high – level player, high level athlete in a good size package. The NFL likes taking risks on those guys. Mm, no, that's a good point. Dane, how about you? Player comp. So I, I do like the uh, Lewis scene to Xavier McKinney comp, um, mm -hmm. but I'm going to go with Verone McKinley to Tedrick Thompson. Uh, who you know was a, a name from a couple of years ago. I, I, guys just define the football. They're not the mm -hmm. fastest, not the biggest. Um, you know, you could pull coals in their evaluation. It's not that hard, yep. but when it comes down to it, they find the football and they, you know, they make plays and, you know, Tedrick Thompson bounced around the league. Um, you know, I don't, maybe it's not the most glowing endorsement, um, for, for McKinley, but you know, it's a guy that was, you know, teams, uh, still given chances to, um, and, and so, you know, I, I see a lot of similarities between those two players. Is that the Colorado kid? Yeah. What? Right. Okay. Seahawks drafted him. He yep. played yeah. with, uh, Keela Willer Witherspoon, I believe out there. I believe so. Yes. Yep. And, yeah. Okay. Uh, and the uh, Isaiah Oliver uh, was in that. Yeah. Yep. Well. Yeah. A couple right. of good DBs up there. Um, for me, I, I was actually going to go Marquise Bell, who I talked about in the last category. Uh, reminds me a lot uh, of Jaquiski Tart uh, when he was coming out of Samford. I think he might even be a little mm -hmm. bit better player. Tart went a little bit earlier in the draft, but uh, Thompson or uh, Bell rather, really. And really an FCS player. comp. That's a good yeah. one, friend. Yeah, I, I like that one. Very, very similar body types uh, and and movement skills. Um, all right, so. Players weren't surprised. They aren't getting more love. Uh, ben, you throw, throw out Nick Cross. Dane, uh, who do you like here? Uh, a guy that you mentioned, Fran, uh, earlier, Percy Butler, um, you know, with uh, his, uh, you know, special teams background, that alone should get you excited uh, with what he can do. But 4-3-6 in the 40, there's a lot of things to like about adding him in the, those mid-rounds, early day three, that, uh, you know, his ability to find the quickest way from A to B, that closing speed. Um, I, I think the the lack of ball production, uh, only three career picks, only five passes defended this past year. So you want to see him create more opportunities for himself um, at the catch point. But if I'm going to find if I'm going to go after a developmental safety in this draft somewhere in the middle rounds, uh, Percy Butler is that guy. Because, again, he's got the special teams background. He's got the speed. 
Uh, he has yet to play his best football. So Bert, Butler is a guy I'm surprised isn't talked about a little more. And I'll quickly throw a name in the ring here. How about Alante Taylor, who I think is going to convert inside to more of a nickel safety, a guy that I see uh, comfortably number 10 on Dean's safety rankings and his. So he's already moved him over. You see the play temperament, the physicality, the run support, the ragdolling blocks on the perimeter, excellent play personality. He's going to be a really fun player for a secondary group out there. Really, really intense player. Just have to figure out what position you want to play him at. So could be like a Glover Quinn type, maybe a Rocky Sin type, definitely a corner that has a uh, temperament to slide inside. Well, for me, I mean, you talk about Percy Butler and the special teams impact, and that's absolutely the case with him. How about Tyson Anderson from Toledo? Uh, under 6'2", 33-inch long arm. So this is a long, rangy safety. He's played more special team snaps than any safety drafter in the last decade. Again, just looking at that range. 702 special team snaps. That's 22 more than the, the previous one. I think when you look at Anderson, uh, by the way, I don't count field goal block. Take field goal block out of special team snaps. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about punt, punt return, kick, kick return. Tyson Anderson, extremely active, four-core special teams guy throughout the course of his career. And when you're looking at special teams acumen, all right, the big thing, and a lot of people, you know, this kind of gets misconstrued a little bit when you're talking about uh, defensive players and really offensive players as well. You, oh, this guy's a little bit slower. He's going to have to play special teams. Oh, he's not a great tackler as a linebacker. He's got to play special teams. No, you need speed and you need to be able to tackle. So I look at Tyson Anderson. Okay, 6'2", 33-inch uh, long arms. 4.35 in the 40? Yeah, check. Sorry, he's got the speed. And we talk about that missed tackle rate uh, from PFF. Extremely high number there. Only 9% uh, from in terms of a missed tackle rate. So I think when you look at Anderson, a very high floor as a backup safety and special teamer. But this guy's got special, got coverage chops. He was a high school corner. He can match up against tight ends. He can match up against number three receivers. He did that down in the senior bowl. Uh, you love the body type there. So to me, I look at Tyson Anderson, like, why, why aren't we talking about him enough? Uh, I would say that the lack of production in terms of like the interception production, he only had two picks in his career, I believe, just looking at the box score, only two picks in his career. The last one was in 2018. That's, I would say that's probably the biggest knock. Uh, but I think when you look at Anderson from a skill set standpoint, uh, this is a guy that's as impressive as really almost anybody uh, in this draft. So um, that would be uh, one Fran, guy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you the final three uh, points under uh, in, in, from the draft guide from the okay. Beast under, under strengths for Tyson Anderson. A two-time team captain, and coaches say his leadership rallies the defense. That's one. Number two, high school valedictorian earned several academic awards at Toledo. That's two. And then three, the special team's resume is longer than the roller coaster line at Cedar Point. So uh, those three things, coaches, are going to be all <laughs> over uh, right there with Tyson Anderson, not to mention how he tests, the versatility. Some teams like him at corner. So uh, absolutely. I mean, Anderson's my number nine safety. And uh, I mean, even that doesn't feel like it may be high enough. The analogies get pretty, pretty creative toward the, the back end of that beast out there. That was just what I was going to say. On a scale of one to 10, how proud of you, uh, proud of yourself were you with the Cedar Point analogy? Well, I think he's, he's a Toledo kid. I mean, he's born and raised Toledo. Sandusky, Ohio is not too far off. So, I fit, you know, keep it, keep it regional geographics. And so, you know, I thought it worked. All right, three, three names we didn't mention at safety, just kind of uh, tapping. Maybe I'm whoa, 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 high school valedictorian. I need to know if that was a weighted GPA, how big was the class size. There's a lot of context here to fill in. We'll talk off camera here, Dane. Okay. Yeah, yeah the, the number of advanced uh, studies he had. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. Yeah, you're you're really leaving some meat on the bone there on the beast. So, <laughs> you got to help this thing to forty thousand words next year. Um, for me, let's go to uh, three safeties we didn't hit on. Yusef Corker from Kentucky. Dane, I'm going to come to you for Yusef Corker from Kentucky. Ben, I'm going to come to you for Bubba Bolden from Miami, a player that's transferred from USC, was a big-time recruit and ended up in Miami, was banged up this past year. I'll finish up with Smoke Monday from Auburn. Everybody, Literally, like, if you go to any fan, any fan base around the NFL and they do their, their mock drafts and any mock draft database, every fan wants Smoke Monday because of the name. So I'm going to make sure we hit on Smoke Monday here first. Dane, Yusef Corker from Kentucky. He was down at the Senior Bowl. Give us thoughts here. Yeah, just an all-around good player. Uh, you want a guy that uh, can play the run? Okay, he led the team in tackles uh, a couple years ago. Uh, you want a, a guy that can show up in coverage? Led the team in passes defended this past year. Uh, another two-time team captain. Um, there, there's a lot to like about just his all-around game and how that's going to translate. Tested well at the pro day. He did not work out at the, at the combine because – I think it was a hamstring injury, but he did work out his pro day, looked good. So, I mean, he's just one of those guys that maybe there's nothing exceptional about his game, but he's just well-rounded. And, and we're talking about the middle rounds. If you're just looking for a player that you want to you know, come bring to your safety room, going to compete, going to push the guys in front of them, maybe even supplant a, a few of those guys, I think Yusuf Corker is that guy. There are guys at every position where you watch like three, four games and you're like, all right, there aren't a lot of like huge uh, 
a, a, a huge like strength to his game, but there aren't a lot of huge holes either. And you're like, I just think he's solid across the board. And you look at your sheet and you're like, all right, they're like, do I need to just watch more? Uh, but Corker was one of those guys. You're just like, yeah, like I feel good about his ability uh, to translate. He's just not like going to stand out in any one way or another. I would say that's the opposite here with the two guys that we're going to round this out with, with Bubba Bolden and Smoke Monday, who have traits, but also some things they need to improve on. Dan, uh, ben, take us through with uh, Bubba Bolden and what he brings. You know, just for a perspective, Bubba Bolden isn't that different on the field height, weight, speed from Tyson Anderson. Right. You know, Tyson Anderson, six foot, 205. Well, Bubba Bolden, 6'2", 206. Also a 4'4'7 kid, all sorts of athleticism, very high-level recruit coming out of Bishop Gorman where he played with Tate Martell, spent a year or two at USC where he was a special team stalwart using that length and that size and that explosiveness just like Tyson Anderson. Transfers over to Miami, has an injury here and there, has the COVID season, just isn't a consistent presence on that team. Tons of ability. But everything that we liked about Tyson Anderson is consistency, whether it's tackling or film study and leadership. That's everywhere. That kind of leaves you a little bit to be desired of Bubba Bolden. But he has tons of ability, tons of athleticism. So I think this is a guy you take a chance on in round six, seven, immediate priority free agent. And you see if you can add something to the back end of your DB room or maybe he has a specialized skill set like Jesse racing tight ends when they're lined up outside the numbers or maybe yep. being a, a dime linebacker type of role. So Bubba Bolden, probably a tier or two behind Tyson Anderson, but a similar type of player. Yeah, and Smoke Monday, very, very similar. I think Monday might actually even be a little bit closer to Anderson just because, uh, I mean, Smoke Monday has played almost 500 special team snaps in his career, which is a really good number. Uh, you know, six, one and a half, uh, 32 and a half inch arms. He ran four, five flat at that size, which is really impressive. I think when you look at Monday, again, it gets the same thing you said with Bubba Bolden, Ben, the, the consistency both in coverage and as a tackler just has to get a little bit better. Uh, and that's why I think the, the big difference is there between those two guys uh, and Anderson. But uh, Smoke Monday, I actually wrote down a player comp. I'm going to go give you guys a blast from the past. This is a player I loved coming out of Western Kentucky. I want to say this was like the 2013, maybe 2014 draft. You guys remember Jonathan Dowling? I don't know why I was watching Smoke Monday. And I was like, oh, Jonathan, he reminds me of Jonathan Dowling. Long, lean safety, Western Kentucky. I think he was a Western Kentucky, yeah. Yeah, when he declared. He was really – he had a – Sometimes really you just see it. You know, sometimes you just get a feel. You catch a guy in a light or you had, you know, maybe a good breakfast or something. And just the dots connect and the planets align. Yeah, Dowling never hit uh, in the NFL, but um, he was a, a guy I really liked on tape coming out of college. But uh, guys, this was uh, this might have actually been my favorite uh, of the discussions we've had, uh, previewing uh, the position classes in this 2022 draft. We're almost there. We're on the doorstep here uh, of the draft here in a couple of weeks. Ben, Dan, we will talk to you later right here on the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. Eagles fans, Merrill Reese here to tell you about the Eagles Autism Challenge presented by Lincoln Financial Group. This annual Ride, Run, Walk event supports autism research and programming as we work hard every day to advance the conversation from awareness to action. This year's event will take place on Saturday, May 21st at Lincoln Financial Field. With your support, we can help transform the lives of individuals affected by autism. Register today at EaglesAutismChallenge.org. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. All right, like I said, good stuff there from Ben and Dane. Let's now wrap the show up with our Draft Mailbag. And again, the best way to reach us here on the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. If you've got a question, we'll answer it here in an upcoming episode. We've got two that I want to hit to from our Apple Podcast page. Weiss Alater left a five-star review saying, leaving a question about the X receiver spot. Said, love your work. Philosophical question about the X receiver. The Eagles need one. And this draft with uh, Drake London and Traylon Burks, who are big-bodied receivers that play a lot of slot receiver, a big-bodied slot. That is not the X receiver that we need. Do they project as outside receivers? How many snaps can we play with Dallas Goddard as the lone receiver in the three-by-one sets? Is that feasible? If not, I would hate for us to micromanage this position and, and pick the X receiver and not someone like a Chris Olave or someone from a similar body type and miss out. So, uh, Weisselator, it's a, it's a good question. I think when you look at uh, receivers, really, to, and I have felt this way for a long time. We've talked about it here, here on this show. I know it's almost a, a yearly conversation that we have here. To me, the the uh, the labels that we used to put on wide receivers, you know, X and, and Z and slot only, 
I don't think that those necessarily apply as much. And obviously, that's got a little bit more play here in Philly because uh, Nick Sirianni has said that a couple of times over the last year since he's been hired that he doesn't necessarily pigeonhole one player into one position. I really think that's the way that most of the NFL has operated because, you know, we start talking about the positionless football and moving guys around. It's very rare that you see teams that operate where, okay, this guy is just a slot. This guy is just a Z. This guy is just an X. Those offenses are going by the wayside, and now you're seeing teams move players around. That said, in every kind of situation, yeah, you'd like to see guys that have that prototype X receiver uh, skill set. And what you're looking for to be an X receiver, uh, essentially you're going to be playing to the boundary, uh, you're going to be playing to the short side, but more importantly, you're going to be up on the line of scrimmage. And that means you are closer to a press corner. So if a corner is pressed up on the line of scrimmage, he can really get up and disrupt your timing off the ball. And so if you're an X receiver, you've got to be able to defeat press. And since you're working to the short side of the field, and more than likely than not, you're working to the single receiver side. As you mentioned, Dallas Goddard working as the lone receiver in those three-by-one sets. If you are lined up as that X receiver, that means that you've got to be able to win one-on-one. You aren't going to have other complementary routes working around you to create space and take pressure from other defenders. So you need to be able to win one-on-one. Now, you can do that with savvy. You can do that with strength. You can do that with speed. You can do that with quickness. However it is, you've got to be able to win one-on-one. And so in theory, we've seen that you know, the, the prototype are those bigger receivers, right? That has been what it has been traditionally. But like I said, you're starting to see more smaller body types being able to fit in at your quote-unquote receiver spot. Now, uh, the Eagles, you know, they've got Devontae Smith. They drafted Devontae in the top 10 last year, traded up to take him, feel like he's got that ability to win at all three spots. Really, I think when you're coming, when you start talking about Drake London and Traylon Burks, I think both guys have that ability to be X receivers, right? It's just a matter of uh, how often you want to use them there. And uh, number one, and number two, it comes down to just how you feel about your receiver room in general. If you feel like, hey, you really need some size, well, then you're going to lean more towards the bigger guys, right? If you're looking at the Eagles receiver room and you say, okay, well, you know, you've got uh, Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager and Quez Watkins and uh, Zach Paschal. He's, he's a little bit bigger, but not quite uh, to the size of Burks and London. Well, you might say, oh, if we need size, well, that's where we're going to go, right? You look at London and Burks and you know Pickens from Georgia. There's a couple other guys that are the big body type, David Bell uh, from Purdue, right? So you can get into some of those big bodied receivers. But if that's not important, if you say, if you look at the way the Kansas City Chiefs, who, by the way, you know, they've had some success uh, in recent years. They've gone to the Super Bowl with guys that have not been that size, right? They've gone a little bit smaller. Some of the more successful offenses in football have had plenty of success without having that big prototype uh, on the outside, on the perimeter. So uh, it really just comes down to how you look at it, how you look at the position, how you want to try and build your offense. You would make the argument, if you look at Dallas Goddard and say, well, he is our big physical X receiver. That If we want to take advantage of that kind of matchup, we can move him outside the numbers and he can win those ways. You could make that argument. And so uh, you could, to me, I I can see the other way as well. It's really going to come down to ultimately how you view the position and how you view the room. It's a really interesting discussion. It's a great question there, Weisselator. Thanks so much for leaving it there uh, along with that five-star review. Our last one here comes from the Scouts Doubt who left a five-star review uh, saying, comparing Georgia linebackers. I'm going to be honest. When I saw this co- this question, the title of the question, I thought we were going down uh, the N'Kobe Dean versus Quay Walker versus Channing Tindall discussion, but because that's something we've talked about a little bit, but this is something a little bit different. Here's the question. I was wondering if you could compare the draft profiles of two Georgia linebackers coming into the draft the last few years. What are their similarities and differences between N'Kobe Dean this year and Roquan Smith? They both seem somewhat similar in stature, but Smith seemed to have more speed, whereas Dean is more instinctual. Just wondering if we can learn anything from Smith and his profile that we can apply to N'Kobe Dean. Thanks for all of the work. So, uh, Scout Stop, great question. Went back, and I, I didn't want to read through the, the notes on, on both guys, so uh, I'll just kind of talk surface level on both. I think when you look at it, ultimately it comes down to, look, both guys are very similarly sized, uh, similar kinds of frames on both players. Roquan definitely, I mean, he tested, whereas N'Kobe Dean did not test, and, and it doesn't look like he's going to test at all before the draft. But, I mean, Roquan was an outstanding athlete. And even on film, you watch it, and there was no question. He was one of the most explosive players in the draft. He played with great range. He played in reverse. He played straight forward. He played sideline to sideline. All the athletic traits. They were uh, you're checking all those boxes there with Roquan Smith. Now there were things about defeating blocks, getting stuck on blocks at times that needed to improve. He didn't always take the best angles to the football in traffic, and that was something that, that hurt him a little bit early in his career, right? As he continued to fight through some injuries as well early in Chicago. But uh, he has really kind of cut, rounded into form in his 
turned into a really good linebacker for the Bears. Now, with N'Kobe Dean, he doesn't quite have those athletic traits that Roquan Smith had. And I think that's the difference. We're talking about Roquan, who was a, a top 10 pick, I believe, uh, with the Chicago Bears. Dean doesn't look like he's going to be drafted that high. Obviously, we'll find out here in a couple of weeks. But I think when you look at Dean, uh, and I've said this before, the value that he brings is going to be the, in, the intangibles, all the stuff that we can't necessarily see all the time uh, on film. But, I mean, he's that, that straw that stirs the drink, right? He, he's that guy uh, in that room for the Georgia Bulldogs. And so, really, I think it comes down to what you value, you personally, what you value at the linebacker position. If you believe that you need height, weight, speed, if you believe that you need to be able to run a certain, a certain level in terms of uh, being able to keep up and play in coverage and play in space and not be a liability – well, then you might look at Roquan Smith and say, well, he's, he's our guy. If you're okay and say, okay, well, we can get by uh, from, with him from a space standpoint, and he's going to be such a force multiplier for everybody else because he raises the floor of the entire defense, and he is that, uh, you know, that emotional leader. And again, all of those things that come into play, well, then your, your gauge might slide a little bit more towards the Kobe Dean. So really it comes down uh, into how you view those players, how you view those skill sets, and what you deem as being most important at the linebacker position but I think when you look at N'Kobe Dean uh, he's got an outstanding resume what he did this year speaks for itself was certainly one of the more impactful players in all of college football and it will be a guy that's going to go hear his name uh, earlier than rather than later uh, by the time we get to uh, the NFL draft here in just a couple of weeks so scout stout great question hope I was able to hit on a couple of the things that you wanted to hear thanks so much to everybody uh, for your continued support of this show like I said just a couple of weeks away for the 2022 NFL draft we'll be back later this week right here on the journey of the draft podcast presented by LifeBrand.